Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Okay, let's get Kate up. Come on, let's welcome her up to the platform. And uh, let's pray. Oh, where are you going? Let's, uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't encourage me because you know what I'm like. Behind every great man, that's right, Simon. <laughs> um, Father, thank you for your word. First and foremost, this is, this is what this is about. It's not about Kate, it's not about anything else but your word, you're the truth that comes from your throne, the truth that comes from your breath into our hearts. Uh, but we do pray for Kate and we do bless her in the name of Jesus that she would deliver in on the part three of this series of six, talking about well-being. We've looked at the physical well-being, we've looked at the relational well-being, but today as she expresses her heart, which represents your heart for emotional well-being, would you just give her courage to say what she needs to say in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Morning, everybody online. Week three. It's whizzing, isn't it? Week three of a well-being series. Yeah, so today we are looking at our emotional well-being, and I want to concentrate on feelings. The title of the message, if you're taking notes, is Feelings Ain't Facts. Okay. Now, you did say, this is not about me, but the next three or four minutes actually are about me, but they won't be after that, so just bear with me. But back in the day, when I was hopelessly backslidden and a million miles from the Lord, as many of you will know who've known me for a long time, you'll know that I was really into following Forrest. Yeah, really. Really into following Forrest. And I'm still into following Forrest, but not like I was back then. Back then, I'm talking about late, late teens, early 20s, my entire life was absorbed with Nottingham Forest. So I would follow them home and away, youth team, reserves, pre-season friendlies, like didn't miss a game for seven years, ridiculous. Spent all my money on them, buying programs, pucker pies, pints of beer, and all the kind of things that you do when you go to a football match. And during the course of a football game, you feel a lot of emotions. There are a lot of feelings go through you. And if, you don't, if you're not into football, just bear with me on this next bit, because whatever you're passionate about, you probably have the same kind of feelings. But just to give you a picture of what it's like being a, a football fan, you, you know, you're on the way to the game, you're just walking along down Pavilion Road, getting ready to get to the city ground, and, and it's that pre-match build-up, and it's like, oh, we're going to win today, feeling a little bit anxious, a bit nervous, but dead excited, because I just love going there, love my team. So that's the first bit. And then you get in the stadium, and then they have like the pre-match build-up where it's just... They play like clips from days gone by, and Cluffy's up there, and it's all my kind of era and all the goals, and I remember them all because I was there. You know, and you get that feeling of nostalgia. And it's just like, oh, this is brilliant. I love my team so much. And Then the players run out of the tunnel. Feelings of excitement, of passion, a bit of expectation, always nerves. And then that 30 seconds before kickoff, when the drum roll comes over the tannoy, and you hear Mull of Kintyre, and then it cuts the music off, and 27,000 football fans are on their feet with their scarves in the air, 
singing. City ground, mist rolling in from the Trent. Tears rolling down our faces. That's probably just me. I don't, don't think I've seen Ali shed a tear. Might have a moist eye sometimes. <laughs> just, it's like, it's like this place on a Sunday morning. That's what, that's what going to a football match is like. You know, we, we were born to worship. Unfortunately, some of us worship the wrong thing. When you stand in a football stadium, you'll see exactly what you see on a Sunday morning. People are abandoned in worship with their hands in the air and their eyes shut singing. They're just singing to the wrong thing. But they're doing the same thing. Corporate worship, it does something to you. Goosebumps on the back of your neck. If we score, limbs everywhere. Ecstasy, delight, giddiness, laughter, joy, happiness, just utter elation. Then the game gets a bit boring. You know, once they've scored, it all goes a bit flat again. And it's just like... Boredom, frustration, angst, grumpiness. Then the opposition score, anger, rage, venom, annoyance, frustration. And we've experienced a lot of that, as any Forest fan will tell you. Lots of disappointment. And then the final whistle. And it's literally like my shoulders finally just come back down to where they're meant to be. It's like, oh, it's over. I can relax. Don't have to bite my nails anymore. It's done. Now, when I was younger and I didn't know any better and Forrest were actually brilliant and were winning cups left, right and centre where every season we went to Wembley and it was just wonderful. If Forrest won, I was the life and soul of the party. I'd be the first one down the TBI, the Trent Bridge Inn, getting the pints in, starting the songs, everybody's best mate. If they lost, that was a whole different ball game, like what I did there. At away games, I would think nothing of enticing the opposition I would pick somebody of the crowd, out of the crowd, it could be male, could be female, just start having a go at them, just taunting them, swearing at them, saying really nasty things to them. It's just what I was like. I was shocking. I was angry. I was bitter. I was full of hatred. If anyone didn't support my team, I just didn't understand it. It's like, well, why, why would, what? Just didn't get it. Because I was so passionate about them. And in my heyday of following them, I was actually um, a student at Nottingham Trent Uni, I only moved to Nottingham when I was 16, so I, I hadn't lived here previously. I didn't want to move again. I'd moved nine times before I got here, and I, I was done. So I didn't leave home. I stayed. I went to Nottingham Trent. And then, so every, every weekend, they would know I would be at Forest, and then Monday morning would come. And if we'd won, it was brilliant. You know, I'd go in with the full colours on, all my strip. Well, not the shorts, obviously. I was a girl. Um, if we'd lost, if anyone said anything to me, well, woe betide. Like, I think they got to the stage after four years where they realised, don't say anything to Kate when she comes. If Forrest have lost, just don't, don't even talk to her. I was awful. I was absolutely horrendous. My emotions, my feelings, everything was determined as to whether Forrest won or lost. If we won, I was fine. If we lost, I wasn't fine until we played again. And if we lost again, I was just awful again for another week. I was absolutely dictated to by my feelings. You'll be glad to know, I'm not like that anymore. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. That's what he does when he comes into your life. He utterly transforms you from the inside out. I can go to a match. I can just enjoy it. Every minute of it, sing my heart out. Win, lose, draw. I'm still me. Or so I thought. Take a look at this clip. I can't watch it because I will cry. That's it.
you can think you've conquered your feelings, but sometimes they just come back. And I say all that to say that we all have feelings, but remember the premise of this series, whatever we do not maintain will eventually deteriorate. And if we do not keep a check on our feelings, they are going to lead to all sorts of mental and physical health issues. Feelings are so real. They're so powerful. They can actually end up consuming us. And sometimes they can prevent us from thinking logically. They can trick us. They can betray us until we actually believe that our feelings are facts. But as Bible-believing Christians, we need to get a handle on them. We can't allow them to control us, which is actually hard because we live in a culture that, that, that just thrives on feelings, way more than thinking. Look at arts, politics, and entertainment. They're all largely about feelings. Think about this. This movie is going to scare you. It's a feeling. The beat of this song is going to energize you. It's a feeling. This painting doesn't mean anything, but how does it make you feel? It's all about feelings. Take this drug, you'll feel great. And how about these popular sayings? If it feels good, do it. If the chemistry feels right, go for it. And worst of all, and I hate this, it can't be wrong because it feels so good. But most of our feelings aren't facts. They're not truth. Please don't misunderstand me. Feelings are God-given. They're important. We need our feelings. But we don't have to feel guilty for how we feel. Definitely not. Because God's given us these things. And he gets it. I mean, there are numerous references to God's emotions in the Bible. And we know that Jesus showed his feelings. We know that he wept. We know that he felt rejection. We know that he felt pain. They're all feelings. And if you just look through this thing, it's feelings all the way through it. There's passion, there's anger, there's fear, there's confusion, there's doubt, there's joy, there's sadness, there's grief, there's, there's lust. It's all in there. So it's no wonder that we feel this rainbow of emotions that God created. And I don't know where you're at. You might be struggling this morning. You might be struggling to believe that you're saved because you don't feel saved. But salvation isn't through feelings. It's through faith. Faith is the other thing that's things that we can't see or feel. And when we operate in faith, it's not about whether we feel saved or not. We just take the gospel at its word. We just believe that what the Bible says is true. You are saved by grace through faith, not of your own. It's a gift of God. You might be struggling with this current economic crisis with feelings of crippling anxiety. You might feel utterly hopeless, literally at your wit's end, completely in despair about how you're going to pay your next bill. But the word tells us that God never sees his children begging bread. And that if you give, it will come back to you. And that our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We don't need to worry about this current crisis. We need to be wise, but we don't need to worry. Worry is definitely a horrible feeling. You may be struggling with your worth. You might feel worthless. We spoke about that this last week when we were talking about relationships. Our value doesn't come from what we feel. Our value comes from God. And Pastor Ali's already said it. But our worth is in God. We don't need to worry. I gave the analogy of the five pound note. You can crumple it, you can spit on it, you can put it on the floor, you can, you can break it up, you can rip it up, you can do what you want to it. But if you put it back together with sellotape, it's still worth five pound. We are valuable to God. 
So no matter how you feel, you are worthy. Maybe it feels like God doesn't hear your prayers. You feel like your prayers just vanish into thin air. But the word says in 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything in his name, it's ours. He hears us. Maybe you don't feel forgiven. You've said sorry, but you're still wallowing in doubt and confusion. The devil loves to make us feel lousy, yeah? We've all been there. He'll do all he can to convince us that God could never forgive us for what we've done. Trust me, I know this one because I wallowed in this for seven years, thinking that there was no way back to God. Our feelings will confuse us. They will mislead us. We can't trust them. We can't trust the way we feel, but we can trust the God who says, if you repent of your sins, you're forgiven. Simple as. Or maybe you're struggling with the worship. Maybe you don't feel anything. And it happens nearly every week in this church. Somebody will get up, the leader or maybe the person who's on worship, and they'll say, oh, the presence of God is here. Can you feel the anointing? And some of you are thinking, actually, no, I can't feel a thing. That's me most of the time. I don't feel much. I've been reading a few of the spiritual giants of our time recently, Smith Wigglesworth, that has already been talked of, and Oral Roberts. And they would often feel the physical power of God on them when they were praying for people. And I lay hands on people and pray for people, and some people say, oh my goodness, I felt an electricity bolt go through my body, or oh my goodness, your hand was so hot. And I'm thinking, well, that's nice, because I don't feel a thing. But I don't need to feel a thing. I know he's real. I remember a story, um, I can't remember where I read it, but there were three, three people that uh, had come out to some kind of altar call, and they were waiting to, there was loads of people out, and it got to these three people, and the, the pastor went to the first person, and they, they, they lay their hands on, this person went down in the power of the Holy Spirit, boof, hit the floor like a sack of spuds, and he went to the next person, and lay hands on Brillo and wake him up, and he said, in the name of Jesus, and, and, and they were set free, and they, were, they felt amazing, and then he came to the third person, and he didn't put his hand, and he just looked, and he went, bless you, and carried on walking. And the third person couldn't get their head around it. The third person was, had been crying out to God and was just, just really felt like they wanted a touch from God. And so they cried out to God and they said, God, why did the first two people get touched and get slain in the spirit and have an almighty lovely time? And you come to me and the guy just walked straight past and nothing happened. And God said to him, because my child, those first two needed it more than you did. Those first two would not have kept following me had I not given them that special touch that they needed right then. But you are secure in your faith. You do not need a touch from me to know that I am real and I am operating and working in your life for your good all the time. It's called spiritual maturity. You don't have to feel anything to prove God. He is real, full stop. That's faith. And we often allow our feelings to dictate our stance with God rather than what his word already said. I absolutely love this thing. Get in this thing every day, guys. Ali talked about the chair when he was in his series. I know a number of you have started doing that religiously, which is not a bad thing. It's great. Get into a good habit. This is what we need to help us with our feelings. Feelings ain't facts, and they're certainly not truth. So ask yourself this question. Am I being led by my feelings? If you're making decisions just because it feels right, you're acting in the flesh. You're going by your feelings. In the past, I've doubted my salvation because it didn't feel real. 
Before I didn't know any better, I struggled to believe that God could still love me when I sinned because I, I couldn't feel his love. I could read about his love. I knew it up here, but I couldn't feel it in here. I used to give in to temptation to sin because it felt better than obedience. Sin is sexy in the moment that you do it, but it is anything but afterwards when you're faced with the consequences. When you've been busted by the Holy Spirit, when you've been convicted, that's not, that's not sexy at all. That's hard. And there are always consequences to our sin. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he says he took away all our sins, but he didn't negate the fact that you still reap what you sow. It's a spiritual law. There will always be consequences to our sin. My worship time was completely regulated by my feelings as well. You know, if I felt happy, I could, I could get into it and enjoy it. But if I'd come in a bit grumpy or just wasn't feeling it or I just had a bad night or had an argument with somebody, I, I couldn't even open my mouth to sing. Or so I thought. That's what I told myself I couldn't do. And maybe you live in a similar way to the way I used to, but I want you to believe for some revelation today. Because our feelings can't be trusted. They're like sand. Sand moves all the time. The waves move it. The sea pushes it around. People kick it and walk in it. Dogs bury stuff in it. Kids build sandcastles in it. But the minute that that tide comes in, it's gone. Sand gets washed away. And our feelings are similar, easily changed by people and circumstances. Let me give you some examples. I'm happily driving, pootling along in my car. Well, I don't really pootle. I go a little bit too fast, but there you go. I'm in my car and everything's great with the world. And then someone just cut in on me. And it's like red mist just appears. It's like those feelings of, what the? Get out of my way. Or when someone's doing 30 and a 40 in front of me, I was like, move. Every single time this man gets in the car with me, it's like God puts somebody in front of me that's doing 10 miles less than they should be. <laughs> but the minute that they're gone, my blood comes back to less than boiling point and I just crack on with my day and everything's fine. Or maybe, maybe you're a parent and you, you're trying to read a book and kids are playing happily and then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose and it's all kicking off and you have to go and sort it out and you, you're like, you're angry. It's like, oh, what is this? You have a good shout, good rant at them and then it all calms down and you go back to reading your book and you feel all right again. Or maybe you just wake up. Sometimes you just wake up and you feel blue. It's just like, oh, I didn't even want to wake up today. I just wanted to lie in. Can't be bothered. And then you think, I know, I know what I can do to cheer myself up. I'll have a cooked breakfast and then I'll feel better. And you do, don't you? But it's feelings. How fickle our feelings are and how easily influenced we can be by them and by others and what they do to us. So it goes without saying that we know we can't trust how we feel. There's a battle. We're always going to be fighting against the flesh. And that battle also resides in our feelings. They will lead us to do what feels right and what feels good, whether or not it's considered right by God or not. We're called to a life of faith. Is Paul Clem here today? No. Where's Di? Di, do you remember this song from uh, Light Factory? We're going to live by faith, not by sight. We're going to live by faith, not by sight. We're going to follow Jesus and do what's right. We're going to live by faith and not by sight. We need to live by faith and not by feelings, and not by sight. If we're going to live a righteous life, we need to put our faith ahead of our feelings, because our feelings can't be trusted. Hebrews tells us of the countless believers in the Old Testament who live by faith, 
rather than feelings. Let's have a look at Noah for 30 seconds. Here's a guy who walked and lived by faith. He was warned there was a flood coming, that he was going to have to build an ark to save his household. And Noah was living in a world of pagans, and this was in an era where they hadn't, they'd never seen rain. Nobody had seen rain. And so he starts building this boat. He's building this bad boy for 100 years with no rain. Can you imagine the feelings inside of him? He's being ridiculed. He's being rejected. He's probably exhausted. He's thinking, what am I doing building a boat and there's no rain? What, what, what's the point? He must have felt like giving up. He must have felt tempted to go off and do something else. He must have been frustrated. That's the same with us when we don't get our prayers answered quickly and things don't seem to be going our way. We get upset, we get frustrated, we get angry, we lose the plot. And here was, yeah, here's Noah, 100 years, building a boat. And then, of course, we know that the flood comes. But he lived by faith. And the Bible's also filled with stories of people who lived in the op- absolute opposite way. They live completely by their feelings. There's Jonah who runs away because he's scared. He doesn't want to know what God's got to say to him. So he runs in the absolute opposite direction, feelings of fear. You've got Samson, who's an angry man. He's lost his strength. He's lost his eyesight. You've got David, King David, who allowed his feelings of lust and desire lead to murder and adultery. And we are faced with the same decisions today. We can live by our feelings or we can live by faith. But I want to make you all aware of a fact this morning. Some of you will know this and some of you won't. But I want you to know that your feelings come from your thoughts. The thought always comes first and the feelings follow. And so many of us get this mixed up. We think it's the other way around. We think we feel something and therefore we think it. That's not how it is. This is why it's so important that we keep our thoughts in check. Because remember, whatever we don't maintain will eventually deteriorate. If we don't keep our thoughts in check, we won't keep our feelings in check. And then we are opening ourselves wide open to the enemy literally coming in like a flood. Our thoughts are the forerunners for the rest of our lives. What we think affects our words, our moods, our attitudes, and ultimately our actions. Proverbs 23.7 says... As a man thinks in his heart, so he is, or so he becomes. We become what we think on. When we're thinking negative stuff, we're going to feel some negative stuff. The good news is, we're in the driver's seat. We get to choose our thoughts, which means we get to determine how we feel. I'll put it another way. We feel the way we do right now because of the thoughts that we're presently thinking. If you can change your thoughts, you can change your feelings. When we change our thinking, our feelings, and our emotions will change too. So if you want to change the way you feel, change the way you think. Philippians 4, 8 says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think on these things. Can you imagine how that verse would read if they were all completely opposites of those words and we had to meditate on them? No, that's not what God does. He calls us to think on things that are good because he knows it's going to help us to have good feelings. Imagine being fixated on lies or impurity or dirtiness or badness or criticism. That's the opposite of those words. 
When we say stuff like, man, that guy makes me so mad, we're not understanding this basic fact that we produce our own anger within ourselves, within our minds. We produce our feelings by what we're thinking on. Now, if I was a betting lady, and I'm not, I'd say there are probably a good number in this room today whose feelings are actually ruling, if not ruining, your lives. And so we really need to start asking ourselves, what am I thinking on? And is what I'm feeling real? And does it line up with the word of God? Does it agree with it? Or am I just believing a bunch of stuff as a pack of lies? I went through something that I don't want anybody else to ever have to go through. You see, my thoughts once told me that God wouldn't want anything to do with me. Because at 16, I was starting to backslide. I was doing some stuff wrong. And I made a vow before God. Never make a vow before God. I made a vow that I would not lose my virginity until I got married. And one year later, when I was 17, I lost my virginity. I didn't want to, but it happened. But at that moment, the enemy came in like a flood. He started sowing some vicious lies into me to the extent that I thought there was no way back to God. I thought that my relationship with God was in shreds, that he wouldn't want anything to do with me, that I was this horrendous sinner because that's what you get taught as a kid in youth group in church. Don't have sex before marriage. It's like the forbidden thing as a young person that you get told. And we have to be really careful the way we teach our kids what we're saying about stuff like this because it can give you some mega, mega hang-ups. But that was it for me. I was convinced that, I, I, that my relationship with God was over. That was the end of me going to church. My, I had feelings of, of unworthiness, of dirtiness. It, it was just a, a horrible time. And that lie that there was no way back for me, that God would never want anything to do with me, held me in bondage for seven years. Those feelings had me in bondage for seven years. But feelings ain't facts. And God was so gracious to me. I'd given up on him, but he never gave up on me. And he came and he found me and he rescued me and he put my feet on a solid rock. <sighs> seven years in the wilderness. Seven years of wrong mindsets of wrong thinking. But once I got the right thinking, once I got that revelation that I'm loved, regardless of what I'd done, my thoughts changed and my feelings followed suit. Let's just look at how we can control our feelings. Just three points as we're coming to close. Lizzie, you can come up. Thanks, sweetheart. Firstly, Anytime the devil is after us, we can interrupt his plan by something really simple. We can pray. It's the simplest little thing to just ask for help. And yet it's often the last thing that we think of doing when we've got some bad feelings. We just go along with the feelings, we go along with the negative thoughts, and nothing gets better. But God is waiting to help you. Prayer changes things. So when you've got feelings of, I don't know, jealousy, offense, anger, lust, whatever it may be, pray something like this. God, I don't want to feel this way. But until the feelings go away, because feelings do actually come from God. He's an emotional God. 
I'm asking you to help me control myself because I want to bring you glory in this situation. I don't want to give in to these feelings and have these thought processes going through my head. I need your strength. I just want to make my mind up and realize I have a choice and I want to choose the right way regardless of how I feel or whether or not I feel like doing it. And come on, let's be honest. We very rarely feel like doing the right thing because it's the harder thing to do, yeah? Now, for some of you, this will be a radical mindset shift because I can tell you when you're used to going by your feelings, it's really tough to start moving by faith. But can I encourage us to train ourselves to talk to God about how we're feeling and do it more than once a day because according to research, we have over 6,000 thoughts a day. So if our feelings follow on from our thoughts, that means we get over 6,000 feelings every day as well. Some of them will be good. Some of them will be horrific. Talk to God. So firstly, we open up to God. It's the first step. The moment that negative feeling or thought is there, commit it to God in prayer. Secondly, you've talked to God. Open up to others. This is why we exist, people. We are family. We want to help one another. So I encourage you to plug into small group structure or, or a pod or just get prayer at the end of the service. Just find somebody that will come alongside you that can hold you accountable. There may be somebody that you can call when you know you're going to get that feeling and that thought. When you know you're feeling tempted to do something that you shouldn't do, find somebody that you can just get on the end of a text to or you know that you can just make a phone call to and get them to help you. And if you think you're not governed by your feelings, ask a mate. They'll tell you. Because we're, we're blinded to our own things. We have blind spots. That's why they're called blind spots, because we're blinded to them. But other people can see them. If you're not sure whether you're ruled by your feelings, just go and ask somebody. And thirdly, meditate on this thing. Get into the Word of God. It's God and his word that should inform our feelings. So when we're tempted to listen to the feelings that we've got that are overwhelming us, go and see what the word's got to say on the same matter. If our feelings contradict God's words, we need to say no. We need to say we're not putting up with them. But equally, we're not to ignore them. We're not to put them off. Get help. If we want to get to a place where our faith fights our feelings, we need to be founded and grounded on the infallible certain, life-changing, authoritative word of God. Because the Bible tells us how to live, what to believe, and it should govern and determine how we speak, think, and act. As a senior leadership, our heart's desire is to see everyone just deepening their relationship with Jesus to the point where our minds are so saturated in his word that it's the first thing we think of whenever we get a bad thought or a bad feeling. Return to the word. Our minds should be conditioned to respond to stuff by the word of God. And let me say this, we will never grow spiritually beyond our level of health emotionally. So when those feelings come, see what the word of God has to say in that area because there is power in it to change stuff. Remember, feelings aren't always bad, but living by them will lead us on an emotional roller coaster. So stop feeding your thoughts and then they'll stop controlling you. Our feelings lie to us. But when we trust God more than our feelings, it will confuse the devil. And he'll come along and he'll try and have another go at you in a different place. And when he can't get close to you, he'll leave you alone. 
God designed our emotions to be gauges, not guides. They're not meant to report to us. They're not meant to dictate stuff. They're like waves. We'll never stop the feelings from coming, but we can choose which feeling, which wave we're going to surf on. Choose the Philippians 4.8 stuff. I didn't look after my feelings, and as a result, like I said, I wallowed around in guilt and sexual sin, believing the lie that God would never want anything to do with me. I think if I had, one, prayed, I'd have realized that I was thinking the wrong thing. I think if I had, secondly, found somebody to talk to that would have helped me and told me the truth instead of the lies that I was believing, I would never have gone down seven years of what I did. And I think, thirdly, if I'd have been in the Word, I'd have never got that far in the first place. My feelings got the better of me for seven years. Guys, please don't let that happen to you. I'm closing, and you know what I'm going to say. Whatever we don't maintain eventually deteriorates. So keep a check on your feelings. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.